G'day everyone, I'm back to doing this impromptu. I was going to schedule it. And in fact, because I was scheduling it and now I'm doing it impromptu, I've got to watch the screen, the YouTube broadcast screen, to make sure it does actually work. Looks like it's working. <laughs> I think I'm okay. When I did it, uh, when I did it by schedule last week, which seemed to be a good idea because a bunch of people, uh, I guess, planned for it. What ended up happening was uh, I didn't press the button. I didn't press the go live button. And also it changes the stream key. So when you broadcast via YouTube, you get like a little key. And then I go into OBS and I put the key in there so that I can pull in the other source. Anyway, I changed that. Seems to be working. Seems to be working, which is good news. Let's uh, kick off where I normally kick off with a sponsor today. Sponsor today is Veronis again. I think my longest term sponsor, my most, well, my most frequent sponsor. <laughs> so big thanks to Veronis. Not wearing the Veronis hoodie today because it's 26 and a half degrees in my office. It won't end up being quite warm. Veronis, reduce your ransomware blast radius with the leader in data first security. Try it free. Free is always nice, which is really good. So uh, go and give Veronis a good run. Another company that I did actually get to spend a bunch of time with in person. I'm going to spend more time with companies in person again very soon, which is cool, actually. Never want it to be as much as what it was before. It's just, it's, sorry, Veronis, I'm not saying I don't want to see you as much as what I did before. I just don't want to spend as much time traveling around the world as I did before. I'd love to see Veronis as much as I did before. Please go and check them out. Big thanks to them for sponsoring the blog again this week uh, and being at the top of the TroyHunt.com blog sponsors podium. So cheers, Veronis. Looking over the comments, who's got here? Christian, go Christian Shiny Doc. Hi from the UK, catching you live for the first time. It's basically like the pre-recorded ones, <laughs> except I get to talk to you and it becomes a conversation, mm. which is nice. I did do yesterday. I'll work backwards. I ended up with about two and a half hours straight of talking because I did a, a an AMA for... Destination Uhas, Aarhus, uh, that Danish city on the east coast that I have been to in person before. I've done a talk uh, at in person. And it was funny, actually, because uh, uh, when, normally whenever I travel somewhere, I'll take lots of photos, not necessarily because like I want to go back and look at the photos and have all the good memories, but so I remember where to go again. And a lot of the photos I've taken around the world have been of either coffee or beer. <laughs> like if I find a good spot for coffee or beer, so I'll take a photo. So I'm trying to remember what... What was I doing in our house? Let's call it our house. Because I'd gone to a bunch of different places. Uh, I'd been to, I think, Aardberg as well and Billund and all sorts of places in Denmark. Uh, and I had six photos. Four of them were beer. So that's what I remember about our house. Anyway, did an hour and a half of AMA there. Uh, and then I can't talk about the other thing that I spoke about, but it's going to be really, really cool. And we're going to see it probably quite some distance in the future. But I did that. That was cool. I tweeted some photos yesterday as well what did i say uh yesterday i had a great day i had a really really good day so as i have mentioned before uh, charlotte and i are getting married later this year in september so we're just under six months before we get married in a, a really cool spot that we just love that's up in the mountains and we have we've had a few trips up there it's about a two and a half hour drive uh, nice windy roads in fact the last bit it's almost I think they said it's half an hour on the driveway because like a 12 kilometer driveway uh, 
doesn't take us that long, if I'm honest, <laughs> when we go up this dirt road in the all-wheel drive. But uh, yesterday we took a helicopter, which sounds excessively awesome, and, and it was. Let's not downplay it. The reason we did it, we've got Charlotte's father visiting from Norway. Uh, my mum and dad are here, and we just wanted to take them as a surprise uh, for lunch to, to see where this, this wedding's going to be and try and make family more a part of it. Uh, and we couldn't really spend five hours in the car. So we took the chopper, which is just, it was epic. It's like a five-minute drive down there to Marina Raj on the chopper. It was the pictures don't do it justice um now i want a drone <laughs> i want a drone because i want to be able to get those same sort of videos and pictures so i think i will have a drone on my horizon stuart's here g'day stuart <laughs> helicopter ride looked at ah oh, it was it was so cool it was just so cool i think what it was is like, we've driven up there many times but th there's what I didn't quite realize is just how much of like this thing is like a freaking volcano with a flat top. But it was a volcano a long time ago with a flat top and the flat top has been cleared. Uh, as many people know, we've had a huge amount of rain uh, on the east coast of Australia in recent weeks, last six weeks or something. So everything is just super, super green and lush as well. And I'm just looking at this picture here on the tweet and it looks so freaking awesome. So... We're very excited about doing uh, doing the whole wedding thing there later on in the year. Uh, and then I was excited yesterday because they said, you know, we're having like a two-day wedding thing there. They said, you know, you can get like Can-Ams, like off-road buggies to drive. And I was like, really? <laughs> that'd be awesome. I'd like to do that at my wedding. I think that'd be fun. All right, let me get on to some uh, more topical stuff as it relates to the data breachy things <laughs> or the things that maybe people don't want to call a data breach. Uh, actually, let me talk about password purgatory first. That's what was next on my list. So this is the Intentionally Infuriating Password Complexity Criteria project, which is all open source and lots of community contributions. We have a pretty good model going on the API now. Lots of feedback in there. I'll give you some examples of what's in the API. Uh, one of the community contributions, which I thought was particularly good, let me get my Visual Studio code over here, one of the community contributions uh, effectively rated the password complexity criteria by absurdity levels. Uh, now, if I go to, uh, where is it? My index.js file here. So we have uh, an infuriation level index. So when we go through and we have a look at all of these password checks, we have things like infuriation level uh, moderate. Password must end with dog. <laughs> literally has to end with D-O-G. Also moderate. Password must start with cat. Now, these are moderate because they're criteria that, remember the, the context here, like this is where spammers are going to spam me stuff. I'm just going to go back and go, yeah, sure, you can, you can post your article to my blog. I just need you to create an account first. So they can meet some of these. Scott's there. Scott's bringing his buggy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you still have a buggy? Anyway. Uh, let's not get into that. Ending with cat, or starting with cat, ending with dog. Uh, some of them get really ridiculous. Password must contain at least one uppercase German umlaut. Password, when stripped of non-numeric characters, must be a number divisible by three, <laughs> which is great. How do you meet that? So I'm really, really interested to see um, just how 
difficult it is for people to meet these criteria and in particular how long they end up waiting there. So anyway, the API is pretty solid. I'm really happy with that, which brings us to the next bit, which is as a web front end. So if you were to go to passwordpurgatory.com right now, and this should autocomplete, we've got a, it's still a basic web front end. I'd love someone to come do some nice designy stuff. This is mostly for people to play with. So you can go now to passwordpurgatory.com, uh, enter a password, click the make hell button, and it will come back and it will give you uh, a requirement based on the API. All of that is great. My next and final step is now to take this and put it on a page on my blog so I can start replying to spammers and asking them to create passwords. Uh, and I do have to put the logging in as well. I do absolutely positively want to log because I want to see how much time people spend being wasted on this and how infuriating it is and what sort of attempts they make to actually enter a valid password. Uh, and then I shall put their shame on public display because that's what spammers deserve. Not bitter at all. Hmm. Okay. So that will keep going. Let's talk about Let's just call them both breaches. <laughs> Let's talk about Zap Hosting first. So Zap Hosting is now in Have I Been Pwned. Zap Hosting was a bit of an interesting one. I'm just going to pull up my description from the Twitters. So when the Zap Hosting data turned up, 60 gigabytes worth of data, that is a sizable breach. Contains 746,000 unique email addresses. This is from November. The data also included support chat. What were they? Support chat logs. I find things like chat logs or DMs particularly interesting because you get to see people just totally losing their shit. Now we've seen a lot of private messages, for example, come through in other data breaches, particularly some of the more salacious ones. Some of them have been pretty edgy, if I'm honest. Uh, but this is free text obviously because people having having chats um i guess they have to retain that stuff for some period of time but oh man there's a lot of data to be sitting on now also in here was names physical addresses uh purchases and phone numbers 40 percent of these were already in have i been pwned now that the link that i normally like to link to a disclosure or something i have linked to a tweet thread from zap hosting which somehow they managed to completely disjoint the entire thread i'm not sure how they managed to do this because they had number one then number two and then completely differently to that were all the other parts of the thread so zap said uh update first and foremost our most sincere apologies for any convenience caused by the most recent outage i like this start with an apology we finally have some additional information we can share with you and share more and will share more information as it becomes available in the past 48 hours, we have received information on a security breach regarding Zap hosting, and as a security precaution, we have shut down parts of our infrastructure. Now, that was part two. I have to scroll down a lot. Oh, no. Where's part three? I have to literally... I don't know how you screw up threading. Threading's easy. Uh, if I go view in thread reader, see, that doesn't work <laughs> because it's just two tweets. I can't see the rest of it. Anyway, they go on. And disclose the incident. So at least they're, at least they're disclosing it. Uh, I don't think there's anything else particularly noteworthy about this. Is like another day in data breach land, to be honest. Um, 
I'm going to talk about the next one in a second. Just looking at the comments here. Francisco says, when I tested, you couldn't get to ridiculous level. There were contradictory rules on high level. Now, there was a contradictory rule which was resolved by another PR yesterday or the day before, which was something to the effect of you cannot have repeating characters. And then there was another rule which was you must have repeating characters. I think that was the contradictory level or rather the, the contradictory criteria. If I'm mistaken and there's something else, please, if, if, you, if you feel up to it, submit a PR. Otherwise, just like send me a message and I'll go through and fix it myself. I'm wondering now, because you've just said here, Francisco, you couldn't get to ridiculous level. Did you know you couldn't get to ridiculous level because you're looking at the code and you're like, I can't ever get here? Or should I maybe as part of the response... I wonder if the response from the API is a JSON response at the moment that just has uh, just has one value, message, and then it's whatever message should be displayed. Should I perhaps also return the ridiculousness level in the JSON response? Keep in mind, this is just JSON in a response body. Like You don't have to show this to people, but I wonder if from a debugging perspective that would help, or I wonder if it would help Maybe I should do that because then when I do the front end on my blog and I'm trying to log how far people get, it would then be a little bit easier to see what percentage of people actually get to like ridiculous <laughs> what was it, infuriation level ridiculous, for example. I might send that back. Just a little, little HTTP compressed element of JSON in the response. Let's talk about Okta. The Okta breach not breach incident somehow i'm looking at my tweet thread here somehow okta has managed to make the most noteworthy thing about this incident the way that they have described it as opposed to the incident itself i think that's probably fair to say just start at the beginning i had someone ping me privately the other day where are we at? Three days ago. Uh, probably just under three days ago, based on the clock. Now, here's what's in this. Someone here said, oh, man, if this is what it looks, and in brackets, Octa got popped, blue team everywhere is going to be crazy busy. Now, there's a couple of images in here. Um, there's an image here, which is a screen grab of a Telegram channel. It says, just some photos from our access to Okta.com, super user admin and various other systems for a service that powers authentication systems to many of the largest corporations and FedRAMP approved. I think these security measures are pretty poor. Yes, we know the URL has an email address. The account is suspended. We don't care. Before people start asking, we did not access steal any database from Okta. Our focus was only on Okta customers. Now, I have that Telegram chat open over here because this is from Lapsus. Now, Lapsus is this collective that seems to have been rather good at breaking into various things, which has included everything from NVIDIA to Samsung. I think there's some Microsoft source code in this chat thread as well that's been in the news. And this is what they published in their Telegram channel. Now... It's a pretty serious claim, and then they've added a whole bunch of stuff here later on. So, so basically, there's just been a bit of to and fro volleying between uh, lapsus, spelt with uh, an S and a dollar sign on the end because reasons. Uh, 
I think what's most interesting here is the way Okta has dealt with it and characterized it and the way information has subsequently come out. Now, the other screen grab here in this tweet is uh, an okta.okta.com address, which has a dashboard here with a number of apps. Let's just go through the responses from Okta because I think this is what makes it particularly interesting. Okay, so we've got this person that's tweeted these shots from the Telegram channel. Now, I'm going to caveat this because I'm going to be very objective about this, but I have friends in Okta. Okta has been a previous blog sponsor. There's a lot of people I know in Okta. I like Okta and I like what they do. Uh, That's not going to stop me talking about the incident breach, not breach. It's a link here in the beginning of my thread to a CNN story. This was the first thing I found on Okta investigating reports of potential digital breach. Um, Okta Identity Service with more than 15,000 customers said Tuesday an attacker had access to its support engineer's laptop for five days in Jan, but the service itself was not breached, according to the company. And this is where it sort of gets weird, where it just feels like a bit of a word game. I go through my tweet thread. So I've had this tweet thread going, again, fairly objective, given the relationships I had there. Um, I've quoted Todd McKinnon, who's the CEO over at Okta, and he says, uh, in January of 2022, Okta detected an attempt to compromise the account of a third-party customer support engineer working for one of our sub-processors. The matter was investigated and contained by the sub-processor. In the second tweet in his thread, Todd threads tweets properly. Thank you, Todd. We believe the screenshots shared online are connected to this January event. Based on the investigation to date, there is no evidence of ongoing malicious activity beyond the activity detected in January. Now, the responses to his tweets are not what I'd call friendly. I think it was pretty much unanimously negative responses. Let me just pick some random ones here. Um... Okay, so I'll rephrase this. They were unanimously either confusion or negative. So someone here is saying, can anyone give me a link to the screenshots floating around? We use Okta heavily and I'd like some clarification. Now, this is a a perfect example of the problem that's being created here. The screenshots imply something very serious. Now, I don't think it's quite as serious as what was implied originally, but they do imply something very serious. And Todd's message doesn't really allay those concerns so when you've got this person here, and let's see, what's this person's account is IPVFO, uh, DevSec, Ops, uh, IAC, Azure. Now, let's say this is someone in a role where they're responsible for protecting their organization or their customers, and they've seen this claim, and then the only message that they've been able to see debunking it really doesn't tell them much about what's going on. Now, someone's then tuned in and... Um, sent them all uh, tuned in, chimed in, uh, and sent them a bunch of screenshots. Someone else here, what would help me as an Okta shareholder is to understand how development production systems are segregated, whether separation of duties controls are employed or whether the breach affected production systems. Okay. Someone else, my friends have reported multiple high critical vulnerabilities to you using your bug bounty program. We were underpaid and treated like ship a security team acting like they know everything. I hope this misadventure will enlighten you on the importance of good hackers. <laughs> Someone else, can you quantify underpaid? I'm kind of curious now. What was underpaid? 
under permanent boundaries because the company determined they are not that severe. Okta bought it on themselves. Anyway, look, it just goes on and on and on. I'm not going to read them all here because there are a lot of responses, but they were they were not happy responses. Yeah, this is probably one of the most polite. Respectfully, I really hope there's some detailed statements coming from Okta today. Obviously, regardless of your reassuring words, we will all be on high alert and very busy today. And I think this is a concern. A lot of people got left just really, really wondering. Actually, here's another one. The attempt, quotes, looks relatively successful from the screenshots, Chief. This is a pretty opaque response at a time when a lot of people are nervous and needing as much information as possible to reassure them. Keep in mind as well, this was a January event. So this happened two months earlier. And it seems like there was information that was known two months earlier as well. So there's a lot of... Here's the way I've often characterized this. And I have spoken to many organizations in the past in similar situations. What happens is, is someone comes out and makes a claim, lapsus in this case. The organization responds with a tiny bit of information which leaves a vacuum. It leaves a big gap. And then other people try to fill the vacuum with information themselves and they speculate. And one of the things that really worries me about data breach responses that are not very fast and very comprehensive is that you leave the vacuum and people then fill the vacuum with disinformation. So, okay, so this is Todd's response. Now we go on. They've then put out a statement. Now, this is really important because later on, this sort of then, I think, contradicts some of the messaging. The statement here says, the Octus service has not been breached and remains fully operational. There are no corrective actions that need to be taken by our customers. Now, this is a statement that they put out in a very short blog post. This is probably probably only 150 words or something from David Bradbury, their CSO. As we shared earlier today, we're conducting a thorough investigation to the recent lapsus, uh, spelt all uppercase, S dollar sign at the end, claims and any impact on our valued customers. Now, here's part of the problem as well. Lapsus has got prior form. So this is a collective that on the same Telegram channel where they've published things like the NVIDIA source code that they leaked, they're publishing information about Okta. And again, I'm just looking over at this channel. So you're talking about an organization that has credible-ish looking screen grabs in a channel that's published confirmed dumps of source code from other organizations. You can see why it has to be taken seriously. So David is very much not breach. Is that the only mention of breach? The Octa service has not been breached. All right, so remember that. And then we go down in this thread. Uh, Lapsus took Humbridge, <laughs> took Humbridge with Octa's response. Here's what they say. I do enjoy the lies given by Octa. And then they've got a whole bunch of numbered bullet points which for some reason go one two four five six seven eight what happened to three lapsus don't know what happened to three number one we didn't compromise any laptop question mark it was a thin client and what eventually unfolds here is that there is a sub processor which has had a compromise so they go on octa uh they're quoting Okta. Okta detected an unsuccessful attempt to compromise the account of a customer support engineer working for a third party 
and then lapsus are all in bold because they're very serious about this. I'm still unsure how it's an unsuccessful attempt. Logged into super user portal with the ability to reset password and MFA of 95% of clients isn't successful. This is their claim. Number four, for a company that supports zero trust, support engineers seem to have excessive access to Slack, 8.6 thousand channels. Now, there's then spurned off threads because Okta's taken a very much zero trust approach to their infrastructure. There's other threads that have gone off about, well, does zero trust actually reduce the likelihood of a breach or possibly increase it, but then just segment the impact which is done when it actually happens, which might actually be the case here. Anyway, it goes on with Lapsus now sort of arguing back and forth with Okta. And I, I think the, the problem we have here is Okta put out a pretty generic statement that didn't really address the details of the incident. Keep in mind also, just to take a step back, every time I've been involved in one of these, and by the way, I was in no way involved in the, the Okta thing, but in the other ones, every piece of messaging that's going out is very carefully crafted by lawyers and PR people. I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case with an organization like Okta. Lawyers are not very good at actually giving people legit information that's accurate and actionable. They are very good at covering organizations' asses. I think that there's a happy medium somewhere in between. I don't think the original messaging from Okta did a very good job of that. So Lapsus is then like literally having an argument in, in the public forum. It goes on. Uh, Cloudflare gets involved. Now, Matthew Prince has tweeted. Now, keeping in mind as well that a little bit further up, we've got David saying, service not been breached. There are no corrective actions that need to be taken by customers. And then we go a little bit further down, and we've got Matthew Prince, CEO of Cloudflare, who says, we are resetting the Okta credentials of any employees who've changed their passwords in the last four months out of abundance of caution. We've confirmed no compromise. And it almost feels like they're contradictory statements, doesn't it? But I'll go on. Okta is one layer of security. Given they may have an issue, we're evaluating alternatives for that layer. And it's kind of interesting because Matthew is on the one hand saying we've confirmed no compromise, but we're resetting a bunch of passwords anyway, and we're looking at alternatives for that layer. And, and again, I think the problem here is there is enough fear and uncertainty and doubt that Okta at that point in time hadn't been able to sufficiently address that you've got organizations like Cloudflare saying, look, we've, we, we, I think the way I'm reading this from, from Matthew is we think everything's okay, but we're just going to be like extra, extra, extra cautious just in case. I'm seeing a bunch of comments, so I want to have a read of some of these and see if any of them are relevant to this, and then I'll come back and keep going. Uh, Stuart says, and I will come back to the other ones that are non-Octa related. If Octa had described the screenshots, support admin portal by looks of it, and why it isn't an issue contained, that might have helped. Uh, And also Stuart says it wiped 5% off the share price though. That's interesting. I hadn't looked at that. I bet you that bounces back really quickly. Heard it here first. Buy low. (laughs) All right, moving on. So, Matthew's responded. Now, Okta has then come out with what is a much better description of the incident. Now, this is an update which then has a full timeline. And I think this is what we really wanted to see. So David Bradbury, again, CSO at Okta, has gone through and described things in much more detail. On March 22, 2022, nearly 24 hours ago, a number of screenshots were published online that were taken from a computer used by one of Okta's third-party customer support engineers. The sharing of these screenshots is embarrassing for myself and the whole Okta team. 
I like that. It's, it's not that I want David to be embarrassed, but as I've said before, I've, I've written about breach disclosure messages and good ones and bad ones, and I, I sincerely feel that literally just saying we are sorry about this is a really good start because clearly there was a cock-up somewhere. Anyway, it goes on. Uh, it's an external provider. It's a sub-processor. We've seen lots of news about that. I don't think we need to go into the details now. Uh, it is related to a Cytel customer. On January 20, 2022, Okta security team was alerted that a new factor was added to a Cytel customer's support engineer's Okta account. The factor was a password. Although that individual attempt was unsuccessful, out of an abundance of caution, there's lots of abundances of caution, a very popular term used in describing data breaches. We reset the account and notified Cytel, who engaged a leading forensic firm to perform an investigation. Now, I'm getting towards the end of this. I think I did actually put one more tweet on this yesterday. And this was sort of the, the description I put in this week's video. Um, we had earlier on David saying, not been breached. And then we've got other descriptions later on that do talk about breach. And I, I, I almost feel that it, it kind of doesn't really matter. In recent years, I think I've had an epiphany about people just using terms which have a connotation rather than describing the actual contents of it. Now, I've, uh, I've embedded a, a thread from... Uh, Jeremy Kirk here, who's a, a good InfoSec journo. Down here, I know very well. He says, the source of Okta's breach, customer care outsourcer Sykes, is used by heaps of tech companies. So far, I've found references that include Apple, PayPal, Cisco, DocuSign, Splunk, and Dell. Sykes was acquired for $2.2 billion last year by Cytel. And there's an article here by Zach Whitaker. Cytel sells Zach Whitaker. It wasn't breached. But then... Like Okta's early statement, it contradicts itself and says the breach did not impact legacy Cytel group systems or networks. Can you see the amount of confusion around this? So I, th I think without sort of drilling down into the contents of these stories and the mechanics of what's actually happened, that the thing that just struck me about it is the confusion, the conflation of terms and the vacuum of information. And I, I feel like this is a little bit of a, a case study of regardless of what the incident was the comms around it just wasn't good. Now, Eve, I'm going to throw Lapsus under the bus here as well, because even Lapsus, their comms, looking back at the Telegram channel, this got weird too, because they've basically gone through and debunked in, remember when they did point one, two, four, five, six, seven, and 8, and they missed 3? They've done that, and then just after that, it's like they're on a roll with the poning of the things, and then there's a new update in the channel. They said... A few of our members has a vacation until 30th of March. We might be quiet for some times. Thanks for understanding. We will try to leak stuff ASAP. It's like there's this massive, massive discussion going on around Okta, which is impacting share price and having all of this like crazy news and abundances of caution. And then they've gone, uh, yeah, see you, suckers. Like we're going on holidays <laughs> for a week. Uh -huh. That's strange. I find that strange. 710 comments on that. Have fun, guys. Put me as admin so I can control the group. Good luck. Isn't that so weird, the way we can get, like, literal criminal elements here just having open conversations like this and we all just get to sit here and read it? Well, crazy, crazy times. All right. 
So that was that was the Octa stuff. Let me have a read of some of the other comments here because it goes back to other things. So Francisco says, uh, going back to password purgatory, this was contradictory requirements. I tested and I noticed I couldn't fulfill what it was asking, but then I checked the code. Yes, I think you still have conflicting requirements. The rule for having unique characters can't be followed at the same time as the Bobcat rule. Ooh, interesting. Okay, I'll check that out later on. Delta Yankee Lima has said, is anyone speaking about how terrible the .au launch and global outage was? So I didn't know about the global outage. So if you can drop that in, I do know about the .au launch and I can explain that. So I'm going to read, I got an email from Dean Simple the other day. Claim your second level .au domain names. So in, in Oz at the moment, uh, we have .com.au. It's always been .com.au. Uh, I have troyhunt.com.au. We have second level domain names of .au that are going to be launching shortly. On March 24, Australia will open registrations of second level .au domains. You're receiving this email because you have at least one .com.au or other variants. So you can go out and claim these .au domain names. I don't know how important a .au is. It's probably one of those things I need to be sitting on. I think .com.au had requirements to have an Aussie ABN, Australian business number, or be registered here. So I assume it's the same with .au. Uh, in terms of that outage, I'm just not I'm just not sure, Stuart. Um, was it Stuart that raised No, Delta Yankee Lima. So, yeah, if you can fill in the gap there, I'm not sure what that outage was. All right, moving on. Sammy. I read Italian Govern, have I been pwned? I was scared there. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. Stuart says, is that perhaps part of the awkwardness? We want accurate information about Okta. We want accurate information, and immediately before it feels like it's not being acknowledged. What ends up happening is vague messaging that conflicts later. Look, it's, it, it's a difficult position. Let me put myself in, in their shoes. Uh, if someone just started posting screenshots of an HIBP compromise, and all I can see is screenshots. I've got no idea if it's actually accurate, how it's happened. There might be some information in there which gives me some confidence it's real. But what's a, like, what do I say? I, I don't have enough information to be able to say, here's what's happened. I could go out and say, here's what I know. But all right, have I been posed on a good example because it's just me. But if it was like, if it was a publicly listed company and there's a board and there's shareholders and there's lawyers and there's PR people, and then they'd be saying, don't say anything to get us into trouble or to drive the share price down. So they're balancing a lot of conflicting objectives here where I, I, I'm confident the leadership at Okta is is our sort of people in terms of technical, legit, fair income, honest, transparent people, but they would have had a, they would have had a lot of pressure on them to uh, to very, very cautiously word that messaging. So I think when it's very, very early days, it's difficult. I, I wonder, Stuart, if maybe what made it a little bit different with Okta is that this is something that happened a couple of months ago. There seems to have been some recognition that this was known a couple of months ago. To what extent, still not entirely clear. Mike says, have you seen the speculated law enforcement action? No, I haven't. Mike, if you want to drop that into the chat as well, I'd love to know what that was. Uh, you then go on further and says, in the UK against lapsus members. Oh, okay, so is this is this uh, law enforcement taking action against individuals they believe are part of lapsus? Would that possibly explain the holiday? Well, did you get some, uh, some brand new fancy bracelets on your holiday? Maybe. 
sooner or later, people do tend to get caught. I mean, have, there's not a whole lot of incidents that are ongoing by major criminal networks that don't eventually fall apart. We'll see. Wouldn't surprise me. Let me talk about the Italian thing. Uh, have I been pwned? So Italian government is now the 29th government to have free and open access to domain level API searches on have I been pwned. Right, I think I got all that totally correct. So they do not have a backdoor on have I been pwned, nor do the other 28 governments that are out there. They just simply get to query their, what are the, effectively their .gov.it, I can't remember if that was the correct TLD, as well as a bunch of other domains which are government owned but maybe not on that TLD. A lot of governments have uh, non.gov.tld domains. One that comes to mind is, is Australia's got the CSIRO, our scientific research group. They are not on a .gov domain. Uh, I think Spain was one of the other govs on Have I Been Pwned, which just, just got stuff on all sorts of different domains. So anyway, there's an allow list. So you can go and you can hit this allow list as a government, query the API at a domain level, get also subscribe for callback so you get notified in the future if there's any of your gov things uh, exposed in a subsequent data breach. That's just the 29th in a long stream of governments. The 30th will go out on Monday. So it'll be another one on Monday. Uh, and what I've liked about these ones as well, if I go back to the blog post I wrote... Was it last week about which governments I'm going to let on? So setting the bar for Gov access to have I been pwned? Uh, and I had a little chart here with uh, a rating around things like civil liberties and all of the governments were sort of up the green end. Uh, Italy is, uh, is right up there in well and truly in the green. And the other government that will come on board on Monday is certainly above above multiple existing green ones. Let's just say that. So I'm managing to sort of apply this lens that I prescribed uh, a little while ago to these new govs and everything's checking out, which is really good. All right, on the comments over here. Um, so Mike's confirmed. Yep, that's what he's saying. Uh, <laughs> that's where I was going on a holiday. All right, I might have to Google it. That'll be interesting. Stuart says seven teenagers arrested. Wow, let me Google that. Uh, laps, let's just search for lapsus dollar sign. Teenagers arrested. Now, let's just say it is. Let's say it is a bunch of kids. Now, whether they're legally kids or maybe they're 18, 19, they're still kids. And they've been responsible for the lapsus breaches. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting? Oh, here we go. Here's the news. The Verge. Seven teenagers arrested in connection with the lapsus hacking group. Now, report surfaced on Wednesday, so this is because it's still Thursday in the US. This is like a day old. I wasn't paying attention to work yesterday. <laughs> City of London police have arrested seven teenagers due to the suspected connections with a hacking group that is believed to be the recently prolific lapsus group. City of London police have been conducting investigation with partners into the members of the hacking group. Da -da -da. Seven people between the ages of 16 and 21. Well, that's not all teenagers. But 16 and 21 have been arrested. Now, where I was sort of going with this when I started reading this article, isn't it fascinating that people who are legally children in this case and some who are legally very young adults, <laughs> they're going to get tried as adults, but clearly have very little experience, can pull off crimes like this against massive, massive 
multi-billion dollar organizations. Krebs has got a, a bigger story on this. Uh, I'm going to have to sit there. This is going to be a, a, good, uh, a good... Krebs is always a good read, but I'm going to have to sit down and read this properly now. So that's... Um, okay. Well, that is an interesting outcome. It does feel a little bit like the old days. Like if, you, if you're going to be a bank robber or a cowboy robbing trains or something like that, it's like eventually you're going to you keep doing this shit. Sooner or later, you're going to screw up somewhere and get caught. Scott's still here. Yeah, in the UK. <laughs> it's a kid with like $14 million. When I was, um, when I was doing this talk to Alhos, Uhus, yesterday, I was talking about the leaked source and, and just how how funny it is the way people try to fly under the radar but then have this sudden injection of cash. Uh, and the guy who was running LeakSource, so this was like the super shady have I been pwned where they just sold everyone's identity data for criminals to then abuse. And he got charged with uh, trading in stolen identity data and all sorts of other things. And LeakSource always obviously went to great length to not identify who was behind it. There was no information on the website about who runs it. Uh, everything from like who is records to any other sort of formal things were, were clearly trying to hide the identity of the person behind it. And then you've got a 24-year-old Canadian driving around in a bright green Lamborghini. It's <laughs> like... Yeah, if you want to fly under the radar, mate, like not not the bright green Lamborghini, not when you're particularly not when you're like a young adult. So to Scott's point, yeah, forty million dollars. Stuart says, how does a kid cash out forty million dollars without his parents noticing? <sighs> Scott says, buy a black Lamborghini instead of a bright green one. I, I feel like you, you're kind of missing the point here, mate. Kind of missing the point. Where's the fourteen million come from? All right, so in Krebs article. He's got a quote here. He slowly began making money to further expand his exploit collection, reads his Doxbin entry. Oh, i got to read this crap story. After a few years, his net worth accumulated to well over 300 Bitcoin, close to 14 million. Holy shit. You ever feel like you're in the wrong business being the good people? <laughs> well, mind you, we're not getting arrested, so that's good. Wow. Yeah, Tori says 300. Oh, man, 300 Bitcoin. Wow, that's insane. All right, I got to go and uh, I, I think I'm going to go and wrap this up now. I'm going to take what's left of my coffee, sit down with my iPad, and read this Krebs story because this looks fascinating. So, thanks very much for joining. I'm going to try and start scheduling these again. It does actually help me with my own planning if I actually schedule stuff. Uh, so, I think that worked well last week. I was just a bit disorganized because of my fun times out yesterday. <laughs> so, I'm going to try and schedule this for the Friday coming. Thanks very much for watching this week. Uh, sounds like there's going to be some cool stuff to play out in terms of lapses stuff and maybe some other fun things that we can talk about next week. I see you mentioned Raid Forum in here as well. I'm going to put that on the list to talk about next week. Cheers, folks. See you later.